I would invite you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, uh, page 970 in your pew Bibles. Matthew chapter 11, and we're going to read from verses 25 to 30. We're going to read from verses 25 to 30, uh, but our focus this morning will be on verses 28 and following. So page 970 in your Bibles. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Before we uh, begin the message, let's pray God's blessing upon this text this morning. Father, we, we come to you um, having opened your word, privileged to open your word. We pray that you would bless it um, to our hearing, but also publish it upon our hearts this morning by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, these words here are, are some of Christ's more well-known, I would say, up there with John 3.16, um, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And here Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And yet, though these words are, are, are familiar... Uh, they are no less relevant today than when you first heard them or when that crowd of, of Jews heard them in the countryside of Galilee. And Christ speaks these words here to you this morning. He speaks these words to you this morning as a li living Savior and fully able to give what he offers to those who receive it in faith. And Jesus knows that there are people here this morning who are weary and who are heavy laden. He knows that there are people here this morning who need to be reminded of the rest that only he can provide. He knows there are people here this morning who have been weighed down by troubles or overwhelmed by temptations. In this world, it is not difficult. In this chaotic world, as was mentioned earlier, it is not difficult to become weary and to become tired. Perhaps you feel like that. Perhaps you feel weary. Perhaps you feel tired. Perhaps you feel like it's all too much. Maybe you're weary because you are wrestling with a particular sin or even a multitude. 
Maybe you're weary from a great stress in your life, an ongoing struggle of some sort. It could be an issue you share with someone else, perhaps your, your family or something you've been trying to deal with on your own. Whatever the case might be, whatever that thing is that is causing you to be so weary, so troubled, whatever is causing you to feel weighed down, burdened, heavy laden, Jesus says, come to me. Come and learn from me, and I will give you rest. And that's our message this morning. It's an invitation to come unto Christ, to learn from Christ. If you do this, he says, you will find rest for your souls. Jesus offers rest to the weary, so come and learn from him. And I want to explore this very simple and yet very important and profound uh, theme with two points this morning. First, come to Jesus. First, come to Jesus, and secondly, learn from Jesus. Let's look uh, to begin here at verse 28. I like these little water bottles. Um, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, the ESV says, come to me, all who labor. I think it's a little more accurate to say, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, note first that Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We call this the well-meant offer of the gospel. It's an open invitation, if you will, to all people. As James Boyce writes in his commentary, Jesus' words are for people of all ages, all nationalities, all temperaments, and he calls them exactly as they are. And yet at the same time, it's important to see this verse in connection with the one that came just before which we read. Listen to what Jesus says immediately prior in verse 27. He says, all things, there's that word all again, all things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the the Father except the Son. Or no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And so what we have going on here is this beautiful interplay uh, between the truth of God's sovereignty, his sovereignty even in salvation, his sovereignty, his election, and on the other hand, the universality of the gospel call made to everyone. And as part of our Reformed heritage, we believe that the gospel is to be proclaimed to all people everywhere at all times with the assurance that in his sovereignty, in his sovereignty, God, who has control over all things, will draw out of this world all those whom he has chosen before the foundations of the world in love. And yet, in another very real sense, Jesus is being particular. In fact, he's being very particular here. His invitation is for a specific group of people, isn't it? Who's his invitation for? Is his invitation to offer rest for the proud and the self-righteous? For the proud and haughty? For those who think they've got it all figured out? 
is his offer of rest for the strong and the mighty? Who's his invitation for? All who are weary and heavy laden. That's who Christ is speaking to in this passage. That's who Christ is speaking to this morning. All you who are weary and heavy laden. All of you who are tired and worn out and weighed down by burdens, by stress, by life, by trials, by temptations. That's who Christ is speaking to. And he says, come to me. Is that you? Are you weary this morning? Are you heavy laden this morning? Perhaps you're thinking to yourself, I'm already a Christian though. I already came to Christ long ago. For some of you, that might have been uh, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, a few years ago, whatever the case might be. You might think, I've already come unto Christ. I don't need to come to him again. But take note, brothers and sisters, that Christ does not speak here solely to the unbelieving world. This is a call not just for unbelievers, those who have yet to receive the gospel. And we should avoid the impression that since we have already believed that we no longer need to come unto Christ. This is super important. We should avoid the, the impression or the idea that since we, we already believe, since we're already united to Christ, since we've already been saved, that we don't need to continue to come unto him. Despite what we hear from uh, other spheres within uh, the broader community, such as the prosperity uh, gospel, which preaches health, wealth, and happiness for all those who believe, we know that Christians, those who have been born again, do and will struggle with all manner of trials, all manner of weakness and affliction in this life. Christians are not exempt from weariness, and they can become weighed down, overwhelmed. They can become burdened. And though we are free from the condemnation of sin, we are not free from the corruption of sin. We still have to fight. We still have to struggle. In other words, when you are united to Christ in faith, you are a new creation. You are blessed. You are favored by God. God is for you. You can be assured of your salvation. And yet we are still looking forward to that glorious day of the Lord when the drama of redemption will reach that point of completion, of consummation, the point when all sin and evil will be expelled from this world forever. At such a time, we will not have to worry about weariness. We will not have to worry about weakness. We don't, will not have to worry about affliction, about burdens. Until then, though, we are called to come unto Christ again and again and again. We are called to come unto Christ in faith to unload our burdens and receive rest. Maybe you have brought such weakness and affliction with you here this morning. Maybe you have brought your, 
your fears, your anxieties here with you this morning. Jesus says, good, I'm glad, come to me. Perhaps your mind is swarming with thoughts, with anxiety, relentless worry. Good, come to me. Maybe you're struggling with sin. We all know about sin and the power of sin. Maybe you even feel, as some do, too sinful to come to Jesus. Maybe you're like Peter, who after witnessing the power of Jesus on the sea, cries out, depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinner. And if that's the case, I remind you, this is precisely, it is precisely because of that sin, however sinful it is, however ashamed of it you are, that Jesus bids you to come. That's precisely why you need to come unto him. That's precisely why he says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, burdened by sin, tired of your sin, you need to come to me. As much as this is an invitation, it is also a command. The word come here, the Greek word is in the imperative, the the tense of command. He is telling you, come to me. Come to me with your worries, with your burdens, with your trials. Ask me to remove that burden from your back, from your shoulders. Come to me, all you weary ones. Come to me in faith. Jesus delights to set captives free. He delights to take the burden from people's backs. He delights to give them rest. This, brothers and sisters, we might call the rest of faith. This we might call the rest of faith, the rest that comes when we place our trust in Jesus, when we give our cares and concerns to Christ. That's what this rest is, the rest of faith. The rest that comes not only when you place your your trust in Christ for the first time, but when you as a believer return time and time again to that source, that fountain of all good, that all-compassionate Savior. It is the rest that comes when you turn your cares over to him. The rest that comes from having that, that weight, whatever it is, lifted from your shoulders. The rest that comes when you repent of your sins and turn to him. The rest that comes when you believe in him alone for your salvation. It is the rest that comes when you cast aside those idols which for so long you have been holding on to. And you come to him with newly opened hands ready to receive his grace and his mercy. And I know it can be a scary thing to turn your back on this world in all its pleasure and pleasantries and place your trust in Christ. To acknowledge your weakness and your vulnerability, to say, I don't have it all figured out. I'm not in control of all things. 
How much of our distress, your distress, my distress, results from that desire, that desire to have control, to be in control of people, places, of things? And how much of our distress comes from the disappointing reality that we can't do it? We can't control people. We can't control what people think about us, what people say about us, what's going to happen tomorrow, a week from now, a year from now, how our children are going to turn out. Congregation, you can't control all of these things, but Jesus can. Jesus can, and he does. And he says, come unto me. Let's look at verse 29. And there Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We said that verse 28, what we looked at before, describes what we might call the rest of faith. The rest that comes when we trust in Christ. What Jesus is talking about here in verse 29 and 30, we might call the rest of discipleship. The rest of discipleship. In fact, the Greek word for, for learn and the Greek word for disciple are, are related. A disciple is somebody who learns from somebody else. A disciple is a student. Those who come to Christ, we might say, are enrolled in the school of faith. Those who come to Christ are enrolled in the school of faith. Tasked, as it were, with learning from their new master, from their new teacher. By rest, Christ does not speak of slumber, as if we are called to go to sleep in Jesus. That'd be like me showing up to class and plunking my head on the table, you know, and sawing logs. Um, I wouldn't learn uh, very much if that were the case. No, Jesus says, this isn't a passive thing, it's an active thing. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. If you do this, he says, you will find rest. Now, do you know what a, do you know what a yoke is? We don't use that term much unless we're talking about eggs. But that's not what Christ is talking about here. The yoke was a, a wooden collar that went on the back of two oxen uh, that would pull the plow across the field. Christ is saying, take my yoke upon you. Jesus says those who come to him in faith must take his yoke upon them and be enlisted in his service. They must be enlisted in his service. We might also call this, along with the rest of discipleship, the rest of submission. The rest that comes with submitting to our Lord and to our Savior, to our teacher as his disciples. If we want to learn from the Master... We have to submit to him. If we want to learn from our master, we have to submit to him. We cannot rest if we are resisting, continuously resisting his will, continuously trying to go this way 
or that way, trying to chase after the desires of the flesh. As Christians, how many of our problems, of our restlessness, arises from the fact that we are kicking against the goads, to use the expression, and engaging in sin? Pulling away this way or that way, trying to go any which way but the right way, the way of Christ. How much peace you could have, we could have, if we would simply submit to the Lord and obey his will. I know that in our modern context, the language of submission um, is not very popular. It sounds oppressive. Um, But it is important to remember, congregation, brothers and sisters, that everybody serves a master. Everybody submits to someone or something. And the truth is, you are either a slave to sin or of, of Christ. And think about this. Sin itself is submission. When you sin, you are submitting to sin. You are submitting to the flesh. The truth is that God, however, created you to live in accordance with his will. He created you to obey him, to follow him. And you will not have contentment, you will not have rest until you do so. Your spirit will not have rest if you are out living, living outside of the will of God who made you, who delights in you, who wants you to follow him, not just because it's your duty, which it is, but also because there is joy. There is true joy and peace when you do what you were created to do. The true oppression does not come from the Lord. It comes from sin. True oppression comes from the flesh. From seeking solace or rest in someone or something other than the Lord. And yet as hard as this language of submission might be to us today, to our modern ears, I think the, the immediate crowd, those Jews in the countryside of Galilee who heard this, I think this would have been a great relief to them. Uh, they would not have, have seen it in the negative light that many people might see it today. And in fact, I want to show you that by, by turning, if you will, in your Bibles uh, to 1 Kings chapter 12. 1 Kings chapter 12, which you can find on page 344. Just look at the first, I want to read the first 11 verses quickly with you there. Because I think they're important to understanding the language that Jesus is using here. And this is what people, when they heard Jesus speaking, many of them, if they are familiar with your Old Testament, would have likely have 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 thought of. So page 344, uh, 1 Kings chapter 12. So this is after the death of Solomon and his son Rehoboam. Um, it's about to become king. Um, it says, Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had come to Shechem to make him king. And as soon as Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, heard of it, for he was still in Egypt where he had fled from King Solomon, then Re- Re- Jeroboam returned from Egypt. And they sent and called him, and Jeroboam and all the assembly of Israel came and said to Rehoboam, 
Listen to this. Your father made our yoke heavy. Now, therefore, lighten the hard service of your father and his heavy yoke on us, and we will serve you. He said to them, go away for three days and come again to me. And so the people went away. And they came back. It says, then King Rehoboam took counsel with the old men who had stood before Solomon, his father, while he was yet still alive, saying, how do you advise me to answer this people? And they said to him, if you will be a servant to this people today and serve them and speak good words to them when you answer them, then they will be your servants forever. But he abandoned the counsel that the old men gave him and took counsel with the young men who had grown up with him and stood before him. And listen to his response. This is Rehoboam's response. He said to them, what do you advise that we answer this people who have said to me, lighten the yoke that your father puts on us? And the young men who had grown up with him said, thus shall you speak to this people who said to you, your father made our yoke heavy, but you lighten it for us. Thus shall you say to them, my little finger is thicker than my father's thighs. And now, whereas my father laid on you a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. So Solomon had placed a yoke on the people, Rehoboam's saying, that's nothing. I'm going to place an even heavier yoke on the people of Israel. Compare here the person of Rehoboam with Christ. Both kings. People, the truth is people don't want a king like Rehoboam. The advisors even tell him that. They say the people will not follow you. They will not want, want to serve you if you rule in this way. But Rehoboam is proud and resentful. He's afraid to look weak. He almost seems sadistic. The language of whips and scorpions. Compare that to Jesus. Compare Rehoboam with Jesus. Compare the words of Jesus who said, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. The King of the universe, the sovereign King to whom has been given all things, came not as a ruthless tyrant, but a tender teacher. Think about that. Rehoboam was proud and haughty. And what does our text say about Jesus? Who is he? Gentle and lowly. Gentle and lowly. Jesus places this yoke upon us not to boost his ego like Rehoboam, but for our own good. He does it because he knows as sinful human beings we are prone to wander. He knows that we are prone to wander. He knows that this is what is best for us. The truth is we cannot learn from Jesus if we are never in class. We must always perpetually be under his tutelage, under his instruction, seeking his will, his guidance. To sit under his teaching, much like you're doing this morning. 
receiving his word, hearing your will, his will for your lives. Proverbs 3.12 says this, For the Lord reproves him whom he loves. The Lord reproves him whom he loves. As a father, the son in whom he delights. And so if you think you've graduated from the school of Jesus, well, you aren't as far as long as you previously thought. Uh, the truth is we are continually called to learn, to grow. And not just here, not just on church and Sundays, but throughout the week, to seek God's will prayerfully, diligently, by opening his word, by trusting in his spirit, by seeking his counsel, directly through his word, but also through the advice of those closest to us, those whom we trust. Or maybe you're the other way and you think, well, you're not as far along as, you, as other people are. You're not as far as long as you thought you should be as a Christian. And I know how this uh, feels to, to, to feel behind, especially as a, a student. And sometimes I look at my fellow students and I think, man, why is he so good? He's so sharp. Why do I have to study untold hours for something that he just gets like that? Listen to what Augustine, St. Augustine said about, about this passage and about learning from Christ. He says, you are not learning from Jesus how to refashion the fabric of the world, nor to create all things visible and invisible, nor to work miracles and to raise the dead. You are not learning from Jesus how to refashion the fabric of the universe, to bring things into existence which previously were not, to perform miracles, to raise the dead. What are you learning? You are learning from Christ how to be disciples. You are learning how to trust him, how to obey him in the place which he has called you to be. We are learning from Christ simply to trust him and to obey him wherever we're at, wherever he has placed you, wherever he has called you to be. You know, many charlatans, past and present, have offered people rest. They have offered people uh, peace, whether through some sort of other religion, false religion, or vain philosophy. Uh, many people uh, make a lot of money offering this to people. And we could list a number of books that have come out in just recent years which offer this, this peace, this spiritual uh, peace. And yet, uh, the books keep flying off the shelves, off the press. Uh, next year, there will be another book and another. Apparently, the first book didn't work, so here's another uh, one. As we read in Ecclesiastes, of making many books, there is uh, no end. And that holds true today. The truth is that only Jesus can offer the soul true rest. Why is that? Because only Jesus can offer the soul peace with God. And that's what you need. And in order to have this rest, which Christ offers, 
We must be willing to come to him in faith. We must, be, we must come to him with the willingness to learn from him, to be his disciples, to receive his instructions. Think of all those people in the New Testament who came to Christ but who did not find rest. They didn't come in faith. They didn't come with the willingness to submit to him. Consider the rich young ruler, as you'll recall, in, in Luke chapter 18. Remember, he came to Christ, and he came with, to Christ with a, a question. He says, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, you know the commandments. And the young man says, I have kept them. I haven't stolen anything, murdered anybody, and I have even honored my mother and my father. But one thing remains, responded the Lord. You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. And Luke captures his response, the response of that young man who came to Christ with that question so vividly in just a few words. In Luke 18, chapter 23, he says, When he heard this, the young man, when he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. He became very sad because he was very wealthy. Maybe you were like that young man this morning, uh, knowing what you need to do, knowing that you need to come on to Christ, and yet unwilling to do it. Unwilling to give it all to him. To have him take your cares and concerns completely and surrender to him in submission completely. Willing to do what it takes to follow the Lord. To blaze that path, as it were. To be his disciple. Because until you do, you will not find rest. And I have to quote Augustine again here because this is you know, one of his more famous quotes that it just lends itself so well to this. And he, he said famously, the soul is restless until it finds its rest in you, O Lord. The soul is restless until it finds its rest in you, O Lord. And so we must again and again and again return to this truth today, tomorrow, the next day, that Jesus alone offers us rest. He offers us peace he offers us rest from the burden of sin, the weight of sin, the, the shame of sin, the guilt of sin, the condemnation that comes with sin. And only Christ can save you from these burdens because only Christ and Christ alone has defeated sin. And just finally, I want to point out that what we're doing here today, this, this morning, is a picture of, of the rest that Christ offers us. The, the Heidelberg Catechism uh, calls the Lord's Day a festive day of rest. A festive day of rest. A joyous day of rest. There is joy that comes with resting in the Lord. It's a picture of that eternal rest that we have in Christ. A picture of something much more glorious than we could possibly imagine. When, as we have said, the soul shall have no more uh, trials and afflictions and weaknesses and temptations. Won't that be something? Don't we all look forward to that? 
that complete and utter freedom from the flesh, from temptations, from fighting. As we end, you know, I wanted to consider uh, some of the very last words in the Bible um, from Revelation 22, uh, verses 20. This is how the Bible ends. be found on page 1235. You don't have to turn there, but if you want, it's 1235. Verse 20, the second last verse. He who testifies these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And the truth is, as I was thinking about this, I realized we must come to Christ today so that when, we, that when he comes again in power, we must come to Christ today so that when he comes again in power and in glory, he will receive us, we will receive him as our friend. We will see him as our friend, as our Savior You know, Jesus first came gentle and lowly, but he is coming again in power and in glory. And so if you haven't come to him in faith, if you haven't placed your trust in him, remember our Lord's words here this morning. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, dear Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, We thank you that you came to us. Even when we were not seeking you. Even when we were fleeing from you. You came unto us. You saw us. You showed your love to us. And you call us again and again to come unto you to receive that rest which only you can provide. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you that you do give us rest from our burdens, from our sins. We thank you for all you do for us each and every single day, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.